This podcast is sponsored by Lullaman Plant Care, the manufacturer of Lolfix Pro Yield Liquid Soybean. Support your growers, support your community. And welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Eckelkamp. Joining me today is one of our repeat guests, Richard Gupton. He is ARA's Senior Vice President of Public Policy and Council. Richard, welcome back to the podcast. It's great to be here. So Richard, we never have a shortage of things to talk about, but even breaking this morning as we uh, record this the Monday before Thanksgiving would be the rail strike news. So we have the engineers and the conductors not coming to the same conclusion with the latest deal on the board. My first question to you is what has to happen by what time frame for us to get an agreement in place? Well, the cooling off period is set to expire at midnight, December 8th. Um, and so that could set up a potential strike December 9th. There is one of the unions where the cooling off period is slightly earlier than that, but they're expected to uh, extend that to so it's all consistent. The bottom line is um, it's all still up in the air. Most of the unions have agreed to the terms, but there's four, four main ones that have not. And if they don't, then we're going to deal with this strike. And I think you're already seeing the uh, potential impacts with shipments not being, you know, not commitments of shipments not taking place and, and uncertainty. And so it's, it's really a major concern to the industry and to the U.S. economy of what could happen. Specific to ag retailers, what's at stake here? What have you guys at ARA advocated for? Well, what's at stake is they're, they're not going to be able to get delivery of product to their, for their farmer customers. It could impact just any kind of ripple effect, it can impact even shipments going into next year, right? If you're trying to, if you can't plan for those things and all this uncertainty, they're not going to make commitments of shipments. Um, and so that's the impact on the ag, ag sector. So not only are you going to have it, you know, and we're already doing with, right globally a food insecurity issue, and we don't need this to have additional ripple effects on our own economy and the global economy. And so what needs to happen? Congress needs to step up and uh you know, they have the power under the uh, Railroad Labor Act to extend either the cooling off period to push off that December 9th date or force them to implement the framework of the Presidential Emergency Board, which was issued over the summer with some recommendations. Um, some of the sticking points for the unions is that they want additional sick days for their employees and certainly understand that they're under stress because like all these industries are shortage of workers. Um, a lot more pressure um, to, for fewer workers to, to get stuff done and, and to be able to move products. So certainly understand that. But that's that's one of the big sticking points is additional sick days. Um, so if they can't get that worked out, then we'll have a potential strike and a disaster on our hands. So Congress really needs to put the pressure up. They've acted in the past or, or threatened to act in the past. They have the authority, again, under this Railroad Labor Act and and so uh, the administration and Congress really need to kind of push them to an agreement here well before this December 9th deadline comes up. No, thanks for that background. It just seems like we keep having these headlines around the rail strike. It continues to be pending and hanging over our heads. So that clarity is appreciated. Yeah, no, always. Uh, it's, uh, and it's, it's the holiday season, too. So, you know, all this all this uncertainty. Um is in trying to plan going into next year too is for the industry is, is 
this is a big concern. And again, hopefully Congress will do their job and step in. I mean, because if they can't get an agreement, then there already is a framework in place with this presidential emergency board recommendations and uh, and, and and that they need to just kind of act and, and can't wait, wait much longer. Yeah. So, Richard, I know another update you wanted to give was regarding OSHA and an acronym folks remember from recent history. So PSM, Process Safety Management, what would you share there? Well, we just uh, submitted comments to OSHA. They had out a request for information on looking at potential changes to the process safety management regulations. Now, agricultural retailers are exempted under the retail facility exemption. They've never been covered by that regulation. But if you listen to the stakeholder meetings and some of the comments submitted, even by the Chemical Safety Board, they want to expand it to potentially include retailers. They want to add additional products, what they call reactive chemicals, so potentially ammonia and nitrate fertilizer. Um, so a lot more regulations without really increase in safeties. There's already regulations in place by OSHA for the storage and handling of anhydrous ammonia and the storage and handling of ammonium nitrate fertilizer. So it's 1910-109-I for ammonium nitrate and 1910-111 under the OSHA regulations. And even OSHA enforcement guidance has said uh, that, that, that those are equivalent or sufficient regulations and enforcement after they lost that lawsuit against uh, against ARA and the Fertilizer Institute in federal court when they tried to make these changes through a guidance document back during the Obama administration. So we've asked them to look at those regulations and update them if you think there's deficiency of safeties. But if you look, too, at their enforcement data over the last year for uh, retail facilities covered under um, the, the NAICS code that deals with farm supply merchant wholesalers, which is the equivalent one, um, there's nothing referencing any of these, uh, the, the uh anhydrous ammonia or uh, ammonium nitrate fertilizer as major violations or whatever in, in their their top list of things. And so we, we think there is no legitimate rationale to have these additional regulations at cost when we're dealing with record high inflation still on the industries. Um, and, and we would like to work with them. We're part of a, a fertilizer a safety alliance with OSHA and the Fertilizer Institute. So um, they should work through that group, work with Responsible Ag or Compliance Assistance Program on see if there's any deficiencies with existing regulations of OSHA. And, 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 and they have enforcement tools and they can do a compliance assistance tools. Right now, for example, there is a regional emphasis program in Region 7 for those products. And uh, to my knowledge, there's no significant issues, safety issues or violations that's been found. And so the track record shows our industry continues to improve the safety at these facilities. Can there be continuous improvement? Sure. Uh, but that should be done with known issues through the existing regulations uh, that are there in place and not try to pile on the PSM, which is really geared towards manufacturing facilities. So Region 7, just for the benefit of our listeners, what is included in Region 7? Uh, I don't have all the states in front of me, but it includes this Kansas and some of the surrounding states like Nebraska. That area of the country um, is where the focus is for Region 7, 7 on this regional emphasis program. It's been in place since, I believe, 2018, 
and they extended it through 2024. But to my knowledge, there's for the data that the compliance data or enforcement data, they haven't found significant issues uh, at these facilities. Excellent. So this is ARA's Richard Gupton giving us a regulatory update, and we will be right back after this commercial break. For today's Industry Spotlight, we're joined by Rebecca Noble, Regional Account Team Lead for BASF. Rebecca, why should you inoculate soybeans? Growers are looking for more yield. And when talking about soybeans, soybeans in particular have a large nitrogen requirement. And the best source of nitrogen is rhizobia bacteria. And when thinking about inoculating and what to inoculate with, growers should think about four things. One quality, a fresh high count rhizobia is imperative because it's going to do its job. And its job is to create healthy nodules for optimal nitrogen fixation and produce a healthy root system. Two, practice. The benefit is an annual inoculation every year. Three, protection. Rhizobia paired with a biofungicide boosts yield by boosting protection against soil-borne diseases like Fusarium and Rhizoctonia. And four, performance. Putting it all together, a quality inoculant used each year with additional disease protection improves performance, meaning two bushels more over a fungicide base. And Rebecca, why should retailers add biological inoculant seed treatments? I think it's about the value, uh, growing the value of a retailer's business through growing the value of their customer's acre. Um, and thinking about the best solution, agronomic fit for that, I want to bring it to BASF's Vault IP Plus. And there are a few things that it offers a retailer. One, on the quality side, it's stored in a patented bladder. It's called a Goglio bladder, and this is exclusive to BASF. It helps the rhizobia breathe and retain higher counts and quality for longer. Two, protection. In addition to the rhizobia, Vault IP also offers two biologicals that extend disease protection further into the growing season and also giving some of those plant health benefits. And lastly, it's a good opportunity for the retailer to grow their business through expanding their work in biologicals. Inoculants and biologicals together bring consistency to soybean yields over uninoculated soybeans. And that is Rebecca Noble, Regional Account Team Lead for BASF. Welcome back to our time with Richard Gupton. He is ARA's Senior Vice President of Public Policy and Council. Richard, I know there's also some developments over at EPA. What would you want to share regarding EPA's risk management program and how it's relative to ag retail? Well, yeah, the risk management program, it's, it was created about the same time as the Associate Process Safety Management. They have just, uh, we submitted comments to them. They're looking at major changes to that program as well. Um, and again, that would just increase costs. The The safety record for our industry is, is great. I mean, it can, can there be improvements? Yes. Has there been accidents? Yes. But to have wholesale changes like they've been proposing, uh, whether they're dealing with um, in, whether they inherently safer technologies or sa safer technology assessments, which ammonia is a basic building block, 
Uh, they're looking at other things to make uh, confidential information or some information are more readily available to the community. Um, there's already a Community Right to Know Act where you're having to report this information. This is just a duplicative or expanded um, requirements and, and compliance issues and costs uh, for our industry. Uh, so that's something that is something to be aware of. Uh, they, they're looking at the comments now, so anticipate probably going into next year, um, coming out with uh, some kind of potential finalized proposal from EPA. Um, we've asked the SBA Office of Advocacy to weigh in. They did weigh in, raising concerns, thinking there's not a need, saying there's not a need to to make changes to those regulations, that they should focus on enforcement and compliance assistance. So we'll just have to see how that, that plays out. But they seem all the activist groups that um, are trying to ban certain products are, are, are you know, tr putting political pressure on the EPA to take some action. Yeah. So another uh, thing that has popped up at, with implications for ag retail, specifically some products that ag retailers carry and sell would be the Endangered Species Act. And you have a little bit of an update there. Yeah, um, just last week, the EPA issued their updated Endangered Species Act work plan. Um, they say it's going to provide a regulatory certainty for agricultural pesticide products. Um, we're still reviewing that work plan. We hope that's the case. Um, they need to, by law, under under uh, have the structure of the EPA has to, to consult with the National Marine Fisheries and Fish and Wildlife um, as you're going through the registration review process for these pesticides, they have not done the best job um, in the past. And so there's been litigation related to that. Enlist Duo. Enlist Duo was, I think, the first product using some kind of ESA um, review structure. Um, so we're still looking at that, and that could have an impact. They, ha they have some pending um, things they're going to put in the Federal Register uh, and have some open public comments. And this will deal with the label um structure you know how it reforms the label with you know the FIFRA label which is the law uh, so we're going to be looking at all of those things that it, it could have an impact on our members that do you know not only sell the product they're farmers but if they do application work right how are they going to make different mitigation restrictions buffer zones or other things that could impact an applicator applying or utilizing these products um, is it going to be widespread or more narrowly targeted, you know, in certain counties. So those are the things that are going to be under review. What we've asked throughout all of these things is when you're looking at these pesticides, whether it's individual registrations or because they don't have the bandwidth like the staff, um, do they look them as a class of pesticides, right? Uh, and so you have broader mitigation strategies as a class of pesticides versus a specific registration um, that's something that will be a, a discussion, and we want to make sure that applicators are heavily engaged in part of those discussions. In the past, it's really just been between the registrant and EPA, and you find out after the fact, once the label's out, about what the applicator has to um, abide by and, and comply with the law. Uh, we'd like to have that more in the on the front end, in the middle, in the end, um, before anything's finalized. Yeah, injecting that voice of the uh, person out in the field with that product. So, Richard, you used a phrase 
And I have a question for you because this might be the last time we have you on the podcast before the new year. Okay. So you use the phrase regulatory certainty. Now I know there are so many unknowns when it comes to what's going on in DC, but in your crystal ball, what would you say coming up for the year ahead that ag retailers should put a focus on? In the year ahead for for regulatory certainty or maybe some uncertainty. Yeah. Um, again, like going into next year, you're going to look at where does EPA go with this RMP proposal? Where does OSHA go with the process safety management? How does EPA implement this Endangered Species Act work plan um, and make sure that products are being reviewed and hopefully approved because we need as many tools in the toolbox um, during this registration review process and, how, and you know, how does the ESA play, play a role? Um, and then we're going to the next Congress. Um, I know I think you talked to Hunter as well, Hunter Carpenter, kind of my coworker and colleague here, part of the public policy team, um, looking at the farm bill and, and other other issues that are going to have a big impact back packed up on our members. So uh, those are all things we're, we're looking at. We're, we are there to protect our members' freedom to operate. So we're remained heavily engaged with members of Congress and the agencies uh, to educate them on the importance of these products and tools and why we need to make sure we have as many as possible because the um, they have to produce more with less and we need every tool uh, possible to, again, if you're focused on climate change, you need these tools for sustainable agricultural practices. And so all, those are the things we're, we'll be looking at um, going into next year. Excellent. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure, always. All right. That is ARA's Richard Gupton. He's a senior vice president of public policy and counsel. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Eckelkamp. Until we are back on the podcast, feel free to connect with us on Twitter at Farmers Advisor. And also until the next episode, I hope you have a safe and productive rest of your season. There are a lot of inoculant companies, but there's only one, Lollaman Plant Care. Lollaman, the manufacturer of Lolfix branded inoculants, including Lolfix Pro Yield Liquid Soybean and Lolfix Start Spherical Granular Inoculants, is a family-owned company that recognizes the importance of the communities anchoring our rural landscape. They are committed to supporting retail partners and helping them succeed. That's why they created the Hometown Roots Program. The Lullaman Hometown Roots Family Contest helps retailers provide their customers with class-leading inoculants while enabling them to give back to the communities that they are part of. Visit LullamanHometownRoots.com for details or contact your Lullaman sales representative.